acceptable and perfect will of God. I actually hadn't thought of that scripture. It just came up out of my heart. But I want you to turn to Acts 17, verse 26. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm there. My Bible's already there. I don't know how I got there. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're just walking in the spirit this morning. This morning I was in my closet. I was singing. I've been delivered by the blood of Jesus. And I thought, you know, Kevin ought to sing that song. And I just thought it. And he sang it. And, and you know, he also, I think he's trying to butter me up this morning. He sang my favorite special. Give me the word. That's my favorite song. Amen. I was thinking about it two or three days ago, Kevin. So you're just right on time. Amen. Hallelujah. We've been delivered by the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Acts 17, 26. I like, I, you know, I'm fascinated with these scriptures that I'm going to give you this morning. I've been fascinated with them for a long time. This intrigues me. This, this turns me on. Acts 17, 26 says, this, this just lights me up. It says, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And I want to tell you, you're located right. He says, he has, um, and if, you, if you're not located right now, then the Holy Spirit's working inside you to try to get you located right. Amen? Because, you know, he, he has to change us. I was created to be in Alabama. I was just uh, temporarily in Texas. But I, my ancestors, I got my, my blood, my blood started, my ancestors came from Georgia. Some of them anyway. I mean, we, got, we come from every different direction, actually. My, you know, my great, my grandmother was German. Her last name was Amstens. That's a germ, good German name. Uh, but I'm also, I'm at, I'm a 16th Indian. My grandfather, my great grandfather was full blood Delaware. My great, great grandfather, excuse me, my two greats grandfather was full blood Delaware Indian. John Newcomb. He, uh, just a little family. He took his wife's name when he married her. I guess it wasn't popular to be little little chirping foot or whatever you know they always guess it wasn't real popular then so when he married his wife he took her last name Newcomb and uh I'm a Newcomb that's my maiden name y'all didn't want to know this family history I'm sure but hallelujah but we're located right and the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit has either planted you or He's got you in the place you're supposed to be for now and He's in the process of moving you to where you will be planted because He sets the bounds of our habitation. He sets the time. You're, I know this for sure. You're born in the right time. If you were supposed to be a pioneer, you would have been a pioneer. Born in pioneer days and drove a covered wagon. You know, I know some of you wish you were. Oh, I'd have liked to have been a, a, a pioneer. I'd have liked to have been a cowboy and fought the Indians. You know, all the little boys wanted to do that, you know, when they were little. And uh, hallelujah. And uh, But you were born in the right time. The Lord knew I needed to be born in modern times. <laughs> I need modern things. And he knew I needed to be in America, too. He said, you know, she just wouldn't be able to cut it over in Romania or somewhere. <laughs> I know he said that because I couldn't. I was like, oh, man, hallelujah. No, you're in the right time. You were born in the right time. You were born in the right generation. If you were born like I was, I was born in 1953. That was the right time. 
That's when, that's when I can do what I'm supposed to do is from that generation forward. You were born at the right time. God chose that out and picked that out for you. And, uh, the, and, and you know, even when you don't even know better, when you don't even know to believe God, of course it works better if you know to believe God, but even when you don't know to believe God, He's, He's ordering your steps and getting you located right. You know, I, my dad grew up around Abilene, Texas, down and I, and we were living down in that area, down at Albany is actually where we were living. And my dad picked up, after he graduated from Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene, he picked up and took me and my mom, and he's headed up to the plains of Texas, and he got as far as Flower Grove, 16 miles south of La Mesa, if that helps. It's not La Mesa, it's La Mesa. Anyway, everybody that's not from there says La Mesa, but it's La Mesa. Anyway... We may have modernized it or culturized it, but it's La Mesa. Anyway, 16 miles south of La Mesa, and he taught school there for half a year. Then God uh, and some traumatic things happened and made us have to leave in the middle of the year, and we went to Denver City. Some people say the armpit of the world is Denver City. <laughs> anyway... Uh, and we moved there and then from Denver City God moved us to sit but God was getting us out in West Texas and in West Texas that's where I met uh, my husband that's where he was and God had to get us from Abilene out to the West Texas part where his family was all out there farming he got me out there because why because there was a divine destiny on us to to work together in the ministry it wouldn't have worked if he had married that little Church of Christ girl he was dating. It just wouldn't work. And that, that atheist he dated in college, that would have been bad news, don't you? I mean, can you see it now? Hallelujah. But I was saved. Man, I tell you, I stood strong. I saved him out of all of that. Amen. Anyway, so you're in the right generation. You're located. And I bet you could tell me a similar story, something about how God, even when you didn't know better. But then he, he, uh, then we got to knowing God more. And we got to understanding him more. And in 1980, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost and uh, came out from among the Baptists uh, because they gave us the left foot of fellowship, mainly, or we were fixing to. We left for they could, and um, but they were fixing to. And um, so anyway, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And in 1982, by unction of the Holy Spirit, see, we knew a little bit more by then. And so we, God wasn't just having to kind of club us through it, you know. I mean, I don't mean club us by hitting us, but, you know, just kind of bumbling along, stumbling along, kind of, you know, you know, we had made three stops before we got to Seagraves. You know, we had a stop in Flower Grove, and then we got to Denver City, and we finally got to Seagraves. And that Seagraves is where we had to be. That's where Michael Billings was going to high school, or he, was, he wasn't even there yet. I got there before he did. He didn't come in until his, his uh, sophomore year in high school. I got there in third grade. And, uh, <laughs> and I just waited on him. <laughs> anyway, and, uh, but anyway, we were just kind of stumbling into the will of God. And I, he was directing and doing the best he could with people that weren't listening, didn't even know to listen. But then we got a little more full of the Holy Ghost, more filled, and we, uh, and more listening to him. And so in 1982, by unction of the Spirit, we realized we're supposed to move from Seagraves to Seminole, 18 miles away. And so we went in and put a contract on a house and began that process and knew in our heart we was going to be the pastors of the church. Couldn't tell anybody because you can't announce to the pastor that's there, I'm fixing to be your replacement. That's not good. Don't do it. 
Hallelujah. Anyway, so we didn't do it. We didn't say anything. Couldn't tell our family or anything why we, but by unction, we were, we were going through all these things. Then in 1995, by unction of the Holy Spirit, God began to stir us up again. You're moving. You're leaving, which shocked us, surprised us. But, and so we prayed about that for a year and he confirmed it in many ways. And in, in February of 96, we loaded everything we owned on U-Haul trailer. A U-Haul truck, a U-Haul trailer, pulling a little car and driving a Suburban. We loaded everything. <laughs> that is the funniest feeling. We parked at that hotel in Marshall, Texas on the way to Alabama that night. And it is a funny feeling to know that everything you own is out in a truck. In the, I mean, you don't own a house. You don't own, you just, you're just there. You're kind of hung out. But, and, but, but being led by the Spirit to Alabama, because this is where we're supposed to be. And it's the very same with you. I'm telling you all this because God's been, and some of you are like us. You got bumbled along, kind of, you know, just kind of, Falling into the will of God, uh, but still He's good and He's God and He's able and and somehow and even our parents, you know, they did it, didn't they? However, they did it, but much better to be led by the Spirit. And so you have been placed in a specific generation. Turn to Acts thirteen thirty six. I love this scripture too. <clears throat> I have a point to all of this, and we'll get to it in a minute. It says in Acts 13, 36, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. See, he served his generation, and that's what you are called to do, is to serve your generations. No accident the generation you're in, and you serve your generation by the will of God. And you have been placed in the generation that you can serve. And you were born to serve. Now, my mom and dad were backslid. They were backslid Baptists my whole growing up years. Uh, they, they were saved, but they were backslid. That's just the only way they, to say it. And uh, uh, didn't go to church. We, we were the, how they call that, submarine Christians. They surface on Christmas and Easter. And uh, we were like that. We surfaced. But actually, we surfaced usually about two more times a year besides Christmas and Easter. We would surface and... Uh, uh, hallelujah. I always wanted to go to church. My heart was always longing to go to church. My grandparents were very committed Baptists. I mean, they were there when the doors opened and they got on their knees every night, prayed for us, prayed all of me and all three other grandchildren into the kingdom of God. And they were raised Episcopalian, the other three grandchildren. And so they were very committed. And I went to church with them and I wanted to go to church. And, uh, <coughs> Anyway, um, hallelujah. What was I going to say? Oh, and so I don't know how my dad knew this, but, and, and you know, I was the only child. And so we would sit down at the supper table, and you know, invariably, is it this way at your house that when you sit down to eat, well, it's like you need something else. You need the salt or you need the ketchup. You need to get up and go get something else to eat with, you know. And my dad would say, Debbie, go get the ketchup or go get the whatever. And I would like, you know, I was like any other kid. By the time I was junior high age, I was like, oh, oh, daddy. And he would say, Debbie, learn to serve. That used to infuriate me. <laughs> oh, that made me mad when he said learn to serve. I just don't even know how he knew that. But, you know, we're born to be servants. And we're not servants of God anymore. We're sons. In the Old Testament, they were servants, but we're sons. We take a higher position than servants. But you know who we serve is one another. We serve people. The Bible says that he, would be, he that would be the greatest in the kingdom of God will be the servant of all. 
The path to greatness is servant, is serving or being a servant. And so daddy would say, learn to serve, and I would be infuriated. I would just be so mad at him for saying that. But you know what? I still had to go get up and get the ketchup. My daddy, when he said something, he meant it. And if you didn't do it, it isn't like it is now. It was, it was not. And my daddy didn't have, I, he spanked me. One, I remember the last spanking I got for him. I was, I could, I had to be below third grade because we still lived in Denver City. And he spanked me and I still have remembrance of it. And, <laughs> and he's never, he never had spanked me again. He could just kind of grit his teeth and I would, I mean, I, I, he just could act like he might think about it. <coughs> he, anyway, he's, but he knew that you're born to serve. God created you to solve a problem. You were created to solve a human problem. You know, mechanics solve problems. Dentists solve problems. Lawyers solve problems. Mothers solve problems. Accountants solve problems. Christians are born to solve human problems. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 7. You need to know this this morning. It's very important. This morning... I was asking the Lord, you know, kind of got the message, and then I'm like, okay, God, what's the purpose? One of the purposes that he gave me for this message is this. The things I'm showing you this morning prove the goodness of God. Think about how good it is that God has this all figured out and has a plan. Think about how terrible it would be if everything in the world was just random, just whatever, just whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do with your life, just everybody does what they think that they ought to do, whether you're a nurse or whether you're, the, you know, it's all just random. That would be such chaos. God always does everything with order. There's divine order to the universe. Y'all notice the sun comes up and there's order to the whole thing. God does everything with order and it's no different with your life. The the whole thing is, it's all planned. It's all planned. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 1 verse 7. It says, uh, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. Say that with me. I shall go to all that you shall send me. Hallelujah. You shall go to all that he sends you to. Don't say you're a child. Don't say, I can't do this. You shall go to all that he shall send you. And, and, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that, uh, we don't, what the things that God has placed in our path to do, the people we're called to serve, the things we're called to do, that we don't have to do it in ourselves. I've changed my thinking in recent years, and and I've talked about this several times lately, but I don't think I have in this church because I'm preaching on Tuesday night in in Cottondale. But uh, I'm not trying to live for God anymore. You know, we used to sing a song called, Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please Him. Y'all remember that song? But I decided that that wasn't the best way. The Lord showed me there was a better way. Instead of living for Jesus, I'm letting him live through me now. 
And it makes life so much easier and it makes doing the will of God so much easier. In fact, when I get up to preach now or when I go, we went to the hospital to minister Friday. And, you know, normally it's like, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? I don't know what I'll say. I don't know how to minister to these people. I don't know. But I don't say that. I say, Lord, just live through me today. And it's so much easier. God wants to live through you. He doesn't really... It's a, You're going to be, like the song says, striving all the time if you're trying to live for Him. You're going to be striving. But if you'll let go and you'll start letting Him live through you, the striving all ceases. And you can just say, oh God, whatever you want to do today, whoever you want me to run into, Lord, just speak through me. Just give me the words. He told us He would. He said you didn't even have to think what you'd say when you were called up, did He? Didn't He? He said the Holy Ghost would give you the words in that hour. You don't have to plan it. You don't have to. And that doesn't mean that we don't prepare. I prepared for this morning. But I didn't prepare in an uptight, oh God, how am I going to do this? These people are expecting. I didn't say that. I said, Lord, just live through me today. Amen. Just touch people through me. And that's what I said last Thursday, Tuesday night when I went to Cottondale. I didn't plan to minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just said to the Holy Spirit, I said, live through me. I got to praying for that one lady. I, I called everybody up to pray for her. Didn't know why I did that. Didn't plan to do it. But I called everybody up to pray for them. And I, I got to praying for that one lady. And something just inside of me said, uh, ask her if she's baptized in the Holy Ghost. Or, or, and, you know, I said, oh, I know she is. She probably, she acted like she was clapping and, you know, sometimes you can tell because they're, you know, look like a board that, like that, you know, but this lady, she's pretty Lucy and everything. She's been coming every service. She's real excited about the word. She's sitting up on the edge of her seat. Listen to where I said, oh, she probably is, but something still kept saying inside of me, ask her. So I asked her and she said, no. See, the Lord knows. I said, well, do you want to be? She said, yes. I prayed for her and she just, woo, she just took off. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I could see when I was praying for her, a little couple over on the other side, the whole time up, up, up there praying, I can see them, they're talking to each other. They're discussing. They, you know, I can tell they're trying, to, they're, they're trying to decide their future right there. Amen. Hallelujah. No, just let God live through you. And this is not just for preachers. This is for everybody. You're, you're going to go places tomorrow that I'm not going to go. You're going to walk. You're going to see people I'll never see. You're going to see people that no preacher will ever see. You're going to see people that never darkened the door of a church and never will. You're going to, so let God live through you. Hallelujah. He's big on the inside of you. Let's let him live. Quit. You know, when you start saying live through me, you quit worrying about your weaknesses. You quit worrying about your imperfections. Amen. Hallelujah. If you'll let him live through you, you'll say more things that help people accidentally. Just accidentally, you'll say things that help people if you'll just let him live through you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to Acts 7, verse 35. I just love these scriptures. Acts, that's in the New Testament, right? Acts 7, 35. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send. Say, God sent him. The same did... Y'all are enthusiastic this morning. Could we say that again? God sent him. God sent him. Hallelujah, that was better. The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. God sent him. 
to be a deliverer and to be a ruler. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, well, I want the angel in the bush. Well, you live, you're a New Testament Christian. You got to understand Moses wasn't born again. The, he was, his spirit man was dead to God. He, God could only communicate with all the Old Testament men. He had to communicate with them by an audible voice, either directly from an audible voice or by an angel. You don't need it. You got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. You've been born again. Your spirit's alive unto God. You're, you are, you are, man, you're all lit up on the inside. Didn't you don't, you know, you're lit up. I don't care how you feel physically today. I don't care how your emotions feel. You're lit up on the inside. You're alive unto God. And he has sent you. Amen. You've been sent to someone. You are sent to someone. Did you know what? You are someone's deliverer. You're someone's deliverer. I know some of you are looking at me like I don't quite believe that yet. Well, turn to Acts 26, verse 19. No, hallelujah. There's a difference in the Old Testament man and the New Testament man. There's a reason why the, the Old Testament and the New Testament is divided, folks. Some people think the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is a blank sheet of white paper. Open your Bible to the between the Old and New Testament. Well, probably not that one. That's some gimpy little Bible there Kevin's got. It is. It is. It is. It even even Kevin's. See, some people think that the difference between the Old and the New is a blank sheet of white paper. Nearly every Bible, there's a blank sheet of white paper between the Old and the New Testament. But there's a lot more to it than a blank sheet of white paper. You've got stuff Moses didn't have. You've got stuff, and she looked at me funny about that. You've got a lot more than Moses had. Man, you got more than Adam had before he fell. You do. Adam wasn't, he didn't have resurrection life. Nobody ever had resurrection life till Jesus came back and he had it first. And nobody had it till then. We have more than Adam. And Adam wasn't sealed. That's how he fell. He wasn't sealed. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians, read it. Read your Bible. It'll do you good. Amen. Ephesians says you're sealed. Hallelujah. <coughs> See, I had to help you there. Acts 26, verse 19. No, you know, uh, the least, what we could go back there and get the least little child, the least little, born, the one that's old enough to be born again. They're not born again. They don't got resurrection life. I don't want to go into that this morning, but they're alive unto God, but they don't have the same life we've got. Those little babies in the nursery, they're alive unto God. Amen. But we've got resurrection life. And the least child that's born again, hallelujah, we could go get them. And they're, the Bible says they're greater. They're greater than all the Old Testament people. That's what the Bible says. Said John the Baptist was the greatest of, ever, of any man that had ever been born. And the least in the kingdom of God is greater. Why is that? Because these were some great men of God. They were awesome. They loved God. They obeyed God. They did God's will. They, they, and they longed to be where we're at because you've been recreated, because you've been born again. You're a new creation. Their spirits were dead unto God. They had to communicate with God only from their he had to speak to them audibly. He had to speak to them to their mind. He had to let angels appear to them all the time and tell them because they couldn't have picked, they couldn't have got it any other way. Amen. But you, oh, you know, they, and, and some, you, you're greater. Well, you know, Mary got born again, but you're greater than the Virgin Mary was. Shoo. 
Hallelujah. Now, she was she got born again before it was all set, you know, after Jesus. But I'm talking about when she, when she conceived the Christ, the, the Jesus, you're greater than that. She was dead spiritually, and God, an angel had to appear to her. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all are looking at me funny like, it's true. Acts 26, verse 19. Whereupon, this is Paul speaking, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Say heavenly vision. Did you know there is a heavenly vision for you? That every per actually every person that's ever been born, there is a heavenly vision. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. I want you to know you're in the right place. Hallelujah. Thank you, G. You're in the right generation. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. God is supposed to decide what church you go to. Now, not everybody has led Him, but if you'll let Him, God will set you in the body just as it pleases Him. And you can tell if you're pleasing God, and we'll show you some of that just in a minute. I'm not getting to that yet. But nothing's by accident. You're called. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 20, if you'll turn back a page or two. 1 Corinthians 7, 20, Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. You know you're called and you're supposed to get in your calling, and then you stay in your calling. And everything in creation has a specific purpose. Everything has a purpose. Even the ants and the flies and the, all those things are not by accident. But think how much more, how much more humans, human beings created in the image of God, you have a purpose. You know, a lot of people have wrong thinking and they say, well, you know, the earth has so many humans in it and some are special. And some are just here to fill up the earth. And you may have been thinking, well, you know, there's some special people. There's the presidents of the United States. There's the kings. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's people. There's, there's the preachers. There's the Billy Grahams. There's the D, uh, the DL Moody's, the, the, the preachers, the Catherine Kuhlmans and those preachers. But I'm just an ordinary person and I'm just here in the general population of the earth. There's nothing special about me, but that is not the truth. You have a call on your life. You have a destiny. You have, you're a deliverer. You're sent for something. You're sent to accomplish something. And sometimes you prepare your whole life you're to do one act of greatness at some point. I was thinking about Ronald Reagan, you know, our president that recently went on. And um, I was thinking about how he, you know, he was... You think, well, you know, if you're going to be something for God and if you're going to do something, you know, I would have done it when I was young. And if I had done those things when I was young, you know, I, I maybe I could have done something great, but I was doing other things when I was young. But think he was 69 years old when he became the president of the United States and everything he did before that is just nothing really. I mean, nothing significant. I mean, we wouldn't, if he hadn't been the president, we wouldn't even remember he had been a movie star. He, he just wasn't that outstanding. He didn't just have, he wasn't a John Wayne, was he? Now, we remember him, but we won't. And, and so you think, well, it's too late to be anything. But he, he, when he was 69, he becomes president of the United States. He serves two terms. His, his mission as president, I read somewhere, was that he would restore the roar 
of boldness and optimism to America. That was in his campaign in 1980. I'll restore the roar of optimism and boldness to America. And he did that, and he accomplished it. And, and yet he was 69 years old. A lot of people have gone already sitting down in their rocker by the time they're 69. I know I was, my great-grandmother, she is already rocking. She is already rocking and crocheting by the time I, she was way before that. In late 50s, she is rocking and crocheting. I'm 50 and I'm not even, I hadn't even, I just now starting to get there. I'm not rocking and I'm not crocheting. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Amen. God has a purpose. God has a plan. There's a heavenly vision for you. Glory to God. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. So wrong thinking to think that you're just here to fill up the earth. Adam was a solution to God's desire for relationship and fellowship. Eve was a solution for Adam. The Bible said that it was not good that man would be alone and Eve solved the problem. Hallelujah. You're a solution to someone. You're a solution to their problem. You're needed. You're wanted. You are needed and you are wanted. Amen. Glory to God. The vision needs you. The vision at Word of Life Church needs you. The vision needs you. know, two weeks ago, Pastor read the vision on Sunday night. The vision needs you. Turn to Jeremiah again, chapter 1. Glory to God. We're just going to go with this till the clock runs out. <laughs> Amen. Because I want to tell you, you're called. And you say, well, I, I don't think I'm a preacher. That has nothing to do with it. That has nothing to do with it. You may be the Sunday school teacher that teaches the preacher. Huh? Amen. You might be the, the, the encourager that encourages the preacher. Amen. Thank God. Thank God for the people that have helped along the way. That have been there. Have been there for us. Was a part of the, part of the process. Part of the, that gave the step up to the next level. You know, somebody had to give us the step up to the next level. My grandmother, we were just, we'd have just rocked along being defeated, defeated Christians the rest of our life. But my grandmother gave us the step up. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost and she began to talk to her family about it. And after we got over her being crazy and all and thinking she was crazy, you know, we got to thinking, you know, they know something we don't know. They have something we don't have. They're happy and we're not. Hallelujah. They're getting healed and we're not. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Jeremiah, where did I tell you? Go 1, verse 4. Jeremiah 1, 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God knows you. He formed you. You know, there are no accidents in God. It takes three people to make a baby. It takes three to make a baby. You may have thought it just took two, but it takes three. It takes a, a, a daddy, it takes a mama, and it takes God. The daddy and the mama, they contribute to the body, and they even contribute to the soul. I'm talking about the mind, will, and emotions and personality. But it's God that shows up at conception and breathes the breath of life into a child. And he doesn't say, oh, this one was an accident. Mom and dad didn't plan this one, not going to show up. 
No, he shows up. He shows up. And he puts the spirit man, and he even does it when they're formed in a test tube. Y'all are looking at me funny. Every time I get over on the subject of sex in the church, Colin says, I like to believe I was conceived in a test tube. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, y'all. <laughs> y'all don't have to be stiff on Sunday morning, okay? Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Just doesn't want to think about it. But it takes three to make a baby, and God gives a purpose to every child. God gives a purpose to every child. God gives a purpose. And you know, I just got to go back and harp on this. Even when you're older, finding your purpose. For those of us that are 50 and above. You know, the world wants to retire you. But God doesn't. And you young folks, bear with us because you're coming up on it. You are, you are rolling towards it fast, I'm telling you. You just don't know how fast it'll get here. But isn't that right, Deborah? They don't know how fast it'll get here. Amen. Anyway, I, I saw on TV the other night a couple in their 60s, and he went to Romania. I think it was Romania. It was one of those countries with the, rot with the Rotary Club and saw a little eight-year-old girl. Did y'all see that? No life in her eyes, they said. No light in her eyes. And he couldn't get her off of his mind. And so they came out of their retirement village. They were living in a retirement village. They moved out of their retirement village, bought a house in a neighborhood, and went back to Romania and got that little child in their 60s. And started raising a little child. And she had a light in her eyes, but I want to tell you something. Let me tell you who else had a light in their eyes. On that TV program, they were lit up. That man and his wife. They were complete. And their kids were already grown. They had grandkids. But they had that little Romanian orphan. And they said, and they were lit up. I'm telling you. Did y'all have y'all see that? ABC 3340 Matters of Faith, I think it was. Anyway, it was good. And so you're not too old. And sometimes God prepares us and He saves us and He, and we rock along a lot of years doing things that just seem like we're just kind of coasting or biding our time. And then all of a sudden we get to start doing something awesome for God because He cares about people. He cares about people so much He would, He would orchestrate somebody's whole life just to save one little Romanian girl. Right? Right. He cares about people. Hallelujah. Let's let Him live through us. If we'll let Him live through us, and we'll start caring about people, and we'll start being the servants of all. I'm telling you, for, and I'm, I know I'm talking to the choir right now, but a lot more fulfilling to do the will of God raising a Romanian orphan than to sit and play dominoes at the retirement village. Hello. Hello, some of you act like you don't believe it. Woo. Mm. So God gives a purpose to every child, and you've been sanctified, you've been set apart, and you've been called to a specific call, and you are someone's reward. Israel needed a leader, and there was Moses. Goliath needed defeating, and there was David. Naomi needed a caretaker, and there was Ruth. The Jews needed a spokesperson with the king, and there was Esther. And you know, you wonder, did Esther ever do anything else? Maybe not. But that one act, that one meeting that she had with that king changed her whole nation. And sometimes we're looking for a lifetime of something when it's an event. It's an event and, and we're preparing for it and we're ready for it and we're available for it. And you know, 
I'm sure he uses this in other ways along the way, but if you're 69 years old for this morning, you may just not have gotten to your event yet. And if you're, if you're 20 years old, don't be frustrated if you don't know everything about what you're called to do and what God's going to use you for because you may, it'll unfold as you walk the walk of faith. It'll unfold for you. Amen. As you obey God in these, you know, part of it is obeying God and getting where He's called you to be. And, and, and obeying Him, you know, we could have never been the pastors of this church had we not got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1980. That was part of the process of getting here to our destiny, to what we're called to do. We could have never been that. And we could not, if we hadn't left the farm, we could have never been where we are today. And it might not look that great yet, but I can tell you, it is because when you're in your, when you're in the will and plan of God, you're happy. You're happy. You're fulfilled. I told Pastor recently on a Saturday, I don't know, it just welled up inside of me. I said, I got the best life. I got the best life. And that doesn't mean that there's no problems. It doesn't mean that finances are always just like I'd like them. It doesn't mean that, man, I never have a symptom. It doesn't mean that. But I know I, I'm fulfilled. I'm in my destiny. I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm now, that may progress. That may grow. That may develop. And I'm sure it will. But you can be fulfilled and you can be happy and you can be in your destiny. Some people are, 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 are that leg up, that helper along the way. For Moses, there was Aaron and there was her. Do you remember them? And there were many others. For David, there was the mighty men. And for Esther, remember, she couldn't have done it without Mordecai. Without that uncle that was there encouraging her along. Hallelujah. So you may be the uncle to Esther. But it doesn't matter. It, it takes all of us to get it done. It takes it all to happen. So do you know your significance? Do you know your value this morning? And are you focused on that? And are you thinking about, God, live through me. What, what, what is my destiny? What am I supposed to do? And are you preparing for it? And one of the ways you prepare for it is just uh, letting God live through you, obeying Him on a daily basis, obeying Him on an hourly basis. Turn left when He says turn left and turn right when He says turn right. Come to church. Put this Word down in your heart because you're preparing to know something that you'll need to know down the road. And there's a lot of people that lay home and they don't, get, they don't know what they need to know when they get to the crossroads to decide what they've got to decide. We have to learn to know the voice of the Good Shepherd. It's not automatic learning, knowing His voice. We learn to know His voice. And you know, we can, we can practice learning His voice and, and, and knowing Him. I was talking about this Tuesday night, but for those of you that weren't there, about a pastor and his friend that said, we want to learn to hear the voice of God. You know, God's not speaking in audible voices now. I could say most of you in this room's never heard an audible voice. And if you have, you probably heard it once and you probably won't again. I'm not trying to discourage you, but God's not. He wants to talk to us by the Spirit. He's a Spirit. He wants to communicate to us that way. We're alive unto God. And so if you're waiting for an audible voice, you'll be waiting when He comes back. But He wants to speak to you, and they wanted to hear His voice better, and so they... They said, we'll practice hearing his voice. So they said, one of us is going to go hide in the town we live in, and the other one is going to listen to God and find him. And they said when they first started, they were so frustrated. 
And because they, they would, the person would go hide and they'd start listening to God. And after about five hours, they would just give up. And it must have been a small town because they would just drive all over the town and hunt them and find them. Because, and because they just couldn't. They just like, this is not, but they kept on doing it. They kept on playing this game and they'd take turns and one of them would hide and one of them would listen. And at the, after about six months, they got so good at it. At listening to God say, go down this street, turn left, park here, turn, look up in the tree. They got so good at that, they had to expand their, their playground, if you want to call it that, and they had to start going hiding in the country, outside the town. Because they practiced hearing His voice. That's one thing we can do as we're waiting and believe we can learn to hear His voice. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't want to hide anywhere like in a storm cellar or something because I don't want to have to live there. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I trust you to come get me or not. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I know uh, we have some friends. Uh, Y'all probably know them. Well, they, we play their tapes all the time. Bruce and Cindy Black. And uh, we play their CDs here in church. And uh, they're pastors now in Jacksonville, Florida. But they, for years, they were in the traveling ministry. And uh, they were traveling in a big van, one of those big vans, not a minivan, but you know, that full-size van. And she was sleeping in the back, and he was driving. And they were going to Clovis, New Mexico to minister, and about 100 miles outside of Clovis. And if you all know West Texas and eastern New Mexico, it's, the towns are few and far between. And, and this is before cell phone days. And uh, um, he stopped at a gas station, and he went in to pay, and she decided she's going to go to the restroom. And she got up and got out of the van and went into the restroom. He got back in the van, thought she was still asleep, and drove off. God. <laughs> She's praying. She said, oh, God, speak to him. God, speak to him that I'm not in the van. God, and she said, oh, she was mad at him. She said, the man does not hear God. That's what she said. The man does not hear God. And <laughs> finally she calls ahead, the calls the pastor in Clovis and they dispatched somebody, I think, to, to where she was. And, and when he got there, they said, your wife is <laughs> some little hole in the road station up the way. I mean, I think we would have had to have an obituary over that one, don't y'all? Amen. I tell you what, one thing about it, ever since then, if I get out of the car, it's like, I'm going to the restroom. I mean, if, I, if, I'm, in the, if I'm in the store, I say, I'm going to the restroom. You know, I tell you, I don't want to be left. We got in the car one, we were at Hubbard Lake one day. Colin was about maybe eight, and Eric was about three maybe. And we decided we was all going to go to Ken's to eat fish that night. And my aunt was there. And so the women all went and got in the car. And uh, we took Eric because he was three. I had him. And uh, we went and got in the car. And we went to Ken's. And the men came in a minute. We looked around. Everybody said, where's Colin? <laughs> And the, the men thought the ladies took him, and the ladies thought the men were going to bring him. And Colin, bless his heart, he said, he said, I thought the rapture had come. <laughs> he said, everybody was gone. And we left him at the lake, down on the dock, by himself. <laughs> well, of course, it was just about five miles, so we ran back over there and got him. But, yeah, we were good parents. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So when you get out of the car to go to the restroom, the moral of this story is, ladies, tell them where you're going. Every time, tell them where you're going. 
Amen. Because they might not hear God. They might not have practiced. Amen. We have significance. We have value. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to know that this morning. I want you to get a hold of it. I want you to meditate on that this week. You have significance. You have value. God's not wasting anything in the earth. God doesn't believe in waste. Amen. He's didn't waste everything. He's invested in you. He's invested a lot in you already. He invested his son. He's invested the Holy Ghost. And he's not a waster. Let's stand up together this morning. Amen. Praise God.